Hey, this is Rob Carley, and you're listening to Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. Happy Tuesday night, everyone. This is Sherelle Jardine, and I'm a proud Canadian, proudly sharing the songs and stories of our Canadian musicians. Thanks for tuning in to Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. Make a Scene Canada is sponsored by Zed Productions. Zed Productions is a full-service production company offering the best studios and services to suit your project and budget. From producing to recording and mixing, contact Sheldon Zaharko at sheldonzaharko.com. If you love the show and would like to donate to Make a Scene Canada, please visit pacificnorthwestradio.com and click the Donate button. If you're interested in sponsoring the station or Make a Scene Canada or advertising with us, please get in touch. Our email is pacificnorthwestradio at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put Make a Scene Canada or Pacific Northwest Radio or maybe one of our other programs. And you can find them all on pacificnorthwestradio.com. Right now, while you're listening to the show, find us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Make a Scene Canada. We also have a group page, Make a Scene BC, where you can post your upcoming gigs. Give the station a like at Pacific Northwest Radio and follow the station on Twitter and Instagram. Have you heard about the awesome music project? Music heals. Music changes everything. This book was introduced to me by Eric Alper, and I was really excited to get the chance to talk to Rob Carley about this truly awesome book. Hello, is Robert there? It's Rob. Rob, it's Sherelle from Magazine Canada. How are you? Hi, Sherelle. How are you? I'm really good. I'm speaking to you in, you're in Vancouver? I am in Vancouver. How is it there? You know what? It's really cold, and I think it's going to snow today. <laughs> oh, it's just, we just had a massive snowstorm here. Did you? Toronto. Right. Oh, Toronto. I was born in Toronto. Oh, were you? Yeah. So was I. Oh, really? And you, you didn't leave, but I did. <laughs> I, I, I did leave for a little while. I went to Kitchener, where, like, where I spent my formative years. Okay. Um, that's where my folks live, and that's where I'm going tomorrow. But, uh, awesome. We're going to just get right into geography. That's our that's we are. The conversation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Why so, not, right? I, I know. I want to talk to you about this beautiful book, The Awesome Music Project. And right on. you and Terry Stewart produced, um, it's, it's so beautiful, Songs of Hope and Happiness, a tribute to the music that comforts us, moves us, and lifts our spirits. So I want to know, how did you guys meet? We are neighbors. Oh, you're neighbors. Okay, yeah. So we're going to awesome. go right back to geography. Okay, so cool. It is, actually, <laughs> it is actually fitting that we, we started with geography because Terry is my neighbor. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, you, you, you literally sort of over the hedge kind of conversations was kind of the genesis of this whole thing where Terry had this idea of like, you know, he was fascinated by the, the role of music in in well, in his life and in the lives of different people and how it has a sort of healing quality. And he came to me as a musician, uh, sort of professional musician full time and said, Rob, what do you think of my idea? And I thought, you're crazy, Terry, because I don't think music works that way in terms of, you know, coming up with a magic playlist. That's what he was trying to do by asking everyone what their songs were. <laughs> right. Yeah, I read that. But then, you know, I think, uh, you know, you hit on it in the introduction. It's like the, the actually the, the stories are where the sort of treasure and where the beauty is. And so he and I started collecting these stories and realized that it's not so much about the song. It's about the narrative and the impact that the music had on someone's life. That's kind of the the appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to read the back cover. So Robert Carley spends most of his time writing and producing music for TV and film. 
uh, years of experience as a performer in a wide variety of styles, ranging from avant-garde and classical to jazz and rock, and has received numerous awards and honors, including five Gemini and three Canadian Screen Awards. Um, saxophone player, you record and perform with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, the National Arts Orchestra, the Art of Time Ensemble, Bare Naked Ladies, and Danny Mitchell. So that's that's a lot. <laughs> I yeah, want to know. I guess, yeah. Yeah, well, I want to know. I mean, how did you get your start in music? Well, as I guess as a professional, I mean, I always played music. So I should say that, I mean, when I was a kid, I took lessons and I didn't necessarily enjoy that very much. But I sort of kept at it. And then in high school, I kind of discovered the saxophone and I and I discovered writing a bit and I got really into that stuff. And so and then I started playing with different groups and doing some arrangements for different groups. And that was kind of, you know, when you're that old, when you're whatever, 15 or 16, you're just doing whatever you're not thinking career or how am I going to occupy my time? You know, you're just thinking about what you want to do in the moment. And then I pursued it at university. Uh, I did a composition degree. And then as I was doing that along that journey, I kind of was like, okay, I really like doing this stuff. And I always kind of, I guess, wore two hats, you know, as a performer and also as a, as a composer, uh, writer, arranger. So I tried to keep those two hats on and, I, I suppose my career is representative of that in that I still tend to play a little bit of music, you know, in public mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for shows. But I also, I do spend most of my days um, composing music for TV shows and films. Okay, cool. Yeah. And Terry, um, his mom was a musician, I read in, in the book. Um, is he yeah. also a musician? or Not at all. Point? Not uh, at all. I mean, he, he, he had an interest in music and played music in high school and sang in choirs. But he, is, uh, he has no training and he uh, doesn't play music now. But he's a huge, huge music lover. He mm-hmm. goes to tons of concerts, possibly more than me. And um, I mean, in his day job, he serves as the chief innovation officer for Deloitte, which is a massive company that's all over the world a big consulting firm. And um, so he's always thinking. I mean, I think part of his um, a characteristic of Terry is that it, whether it's a function of his job or the other way around, because of the, the way he thinks, this is the job he does. It's that he always analyzes and tries to deconstruct things and understand things. Um, and so he's got that kind of inquisitive sort of approach to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I guess he's in innovation. And that's what led him to this whole journey was his search for understanding about how music impacts us, not just obviously on a uh, qualitative level. We kind of know that um, implicitly that music can make you feel differently. Mm -hmm. But he was looking for some kind of empirical data and scientific evidence to support that claim. And that was where we started. Okay, awesome. So everybody does have a musical story, and your book has 111 of them. So yeah. what is one of your favorite stories? Well, they keep changing. Okay. Um, today. But I, no, that doesn't mean I, doesn't mean I don't have one. No. I, I, was, I was talking today to somebody about this, uh, about the book, and I mentioned the Fred Penner story because I... <laughs> What I find is the stories. What you don't, what you don't really think about, is that you, you, you've, you've maybe know somebody, or you've heard of somebody, or you, they're your friend. What you don't know maybe is the, their story about music. And when you hear the story, you learn a little bit about the person that I think sort of informs you more about their personality. So, in, I'll give you a specific example uh, with the Fred Penner story. I mean, everyone knows Fred Penner as a children's entertainer, mm-hmm. and. What I didn't know about Fred Penner was that he he wasn't 
always into music and always going to pursue it. He was going to university to, to well, I think he was doing an economics degree or something. And when he was in, you know, a couple of years into his studies, uh, he had some traumatic events in his life. His sister passed away and then his dad passed away. And these are things, these are, you know, huge traumatic events that really had him sort of recalibrate what he was doing. And he, at that point, left school and became a musician or not became, I guess he was a musician, but he decided mm -hmm. to pursue music professionally and full time. <sighs> so that's one story. Another great story is Doug Norman, who's a retired um, police officer from Belleville. And I had, you know, I had read all the stories of course, and when we compiled the book and then I had, you forget about certain ones. And then I revisited his story about Supertramp and how he suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder as a police officer and had some, he had to leave his job actually. And he was always a big, huge fan of Supertramp and went to a concert and brought a ticket stub hoping to get it signed um, by Roger Hodgson. And he asked, you know, one of the road managers or crew people if they could get this ticket back to him to sign it. He didn't ask to meet him or anything. And in fact, what what happened was he he told a little bit of the story as to why it was so important to him as related to his 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 job and his the pain that he was feeling in life. And... Roger Hodgson was so moved by the story, he had, he not only signed it, but he invited Doug backstage and then on to onto the stage, well, side of the stage to oh watch the show. God. And he mentioned it in, during the Supertramp concert. He mentioned this story to the audience. And it was kind of like a, sort of one of these full circle moments where, you know, when when a musician creates music, they don't really understand necessarily how it's going to impact people. They can't. And then when it does obviously impact people in different ways, and then when they hear about those things, it, it, it's a really cool loop that gets formed. Mm -hmm. and it's not something I really thought about much until until recently, until working on this project. Wow. You have such an eclectic group of people in this book, musicians, athletes, poets, writers. How did you coordinate all the stories? Well, that's a good question. It wasn't really just two people. It's really an army of people that mm -hmm. helped us to do this. So page two is our publisher in Vancouver. Okay, cool. They're a really unique um, publishing company. That's been around for half a dozen years, and they also have a small army of people. So it was all about networks of people. So they um, reached out to some of their their connections and their friends, and we reached out to you know Terry has a lot of uh, connections in the business community, and I have connections in the music community. And through those different networks, you know, you would sort of say reach out to different people, and they would tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and so you slowly get um, a collection of stories and. All the stories kind of went through Scott Steedman, who was our editor and kind of, you know, really helped us to capture the voices of all these different storytellers. So it was really like between a number of people and the different people that they know. Um, and once we had, you know, a good collection of, of celebrities in the book, not that our goal was to have celebrities, but we just wanted to hear disparate kind of voices and hearing people from who are well-known as well, as well as people who are not well-known, I think was a good approach. But once you have a sort of collection of people um you, you know you can you can leverage that into trying to get more people so like the dominoes start to fall so for example you know you, you just can't go out and ask Rick Mercer if he wants to be in the book but when he finds out that oh Sarah McLaughlin right. and and Chris Hatfield are in the book how bad can it be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be legit <laughs> yeah so and that's kind of what happens and you know I think now if we were to do you know collecting more stories it's almost easier rather than try to explain what you're trying to do you just show someone the book and then in 30 seconds they go okay I get what you what you want you want a story about music so here's one you know? yeah because exactly. everyone like you say everyone has one 
Everybody has one, yeah. You know, it was so cool it, that talk about that six degrees of separation. So I was on, I have a band called Stone Poets and we were on Christine Blanchett's show. I don't know if she's oh, yeah. actually talked to you yet or not. Um, she had your book in our interview and she handed it to me and it was being filmed and it was the first time that I actually got to see it. And Eric had just sent me your press release that morning. So it was so bizarre. I'm, I had your right. book in my hand. I'm like, oh my God, this is, okay, I have to talk to this guy. This is way too That's weird. That's wild. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, something's happened for a reason. You don't know why. But. Absolutely. And um, it was funny because the first page that I kind of opened was talking about music as the universal language. And it's it's so true. Like, even if you don't understand the words, you're in another country, you know, you can absolutely feel that music. Yeah. Totally. Well, it's got this power that was kind of, well, let's say unspeakable power of music. We really don't know how to articulate that. One of the goals of the project is to actually try to um, scientifically articulate it so that we can use it as data. So that, you know, in treating things like anxiety and depression through music, through things like music therapy, we mm -hmm. can do it um, once we have, you know, the, the right amount of data to show how effective it can be. So that's kind of the audacious goal of the whole project is to try to collect that data and to fund research. So that's where all the all the proceeds from it go to funding that research. Yeah, that's amazing. And I actually, the, the Music Therapy Songbook, um, page 121. So areas that um, it's, it's used in is, there's so many, I mean, AIDS, autism, critical care, developmental disabilities. It just, it goes on and on. It's crazy pain control. And uh, I have fibromyalgia and I swear, like, you know, it's my medicine. Yeah. You know, so... Um, looking through the book too, Bob Egan, who's a friend of mine. So it was really happy oh, yeah, to Bob's see you on page 174. Um, you know, he played with Blue Rodeo for years. He actually played on some of my recordings and I just love him to death. But he says, um, and I think a lot of us live this too, music saved my life. And I'm, I'm quoting him now. I never fit in. I was always an outsider until I discovered music. And at age 12, he got a $29 guitar, which changed his life forever. How many times yeah. have you actually heard that story? It's crazy, right? You yeah, know? it's amazing how those little tiny things that you don't think are significant can really change the course of someone's life yeah. you know, in a dramatic way. Bob was one of the uh, participants of one of our events. What we've been doing lately is we've been taking the book and the concept of the book and bringing it to life through evenings of stories and science and songs. Oh, wow. And it, it's been really, really uh, rewarding because we just collect storytellers um, and they, they read their stories and then a singer-songwriter will read or sing the song from that story. Uh, and then a scientist will come out and do a little sort of mini TED Talk on what's happening in our brains. And so those have been, we've done two events in the fall of, uh, well, 2019 when the book came out. And now we have got a bunch planned for 2020. And uh, it's really, really rewarding. And it's a great way to, to raise funds because, you know, when people come to an event and have that experience, um, you know, we get donors and sponsorships through that. And so that's kind of another way of which we can raise money. Awesome. And how do people find out about those events? Are they on your Facebook page or? They will be. I mean, we have, we're only in the planning stages of 2020, but we are coming to Vancouver. Oh, uh, when? In, we're hoping to May, May 2020. In fact, I have a call in an hour. Okay. Um, <laughs> with some people in Vancouver. <laughs> we better hurry. <laughs> trying to nail, trying to nail the, um, the date and the venue for, for your city. So uh, we have so many contributors from out West and we figure, you know, we've done two events in sort of in Southern Ontario. 
it's time to, to move regionally across the country and where a better place to start than Vancouver. Yeah, well, definitely let me know and, and keep in touch because I can um, help promote it. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay, good. Sounds good. <laughs> and I wanted to yeah. share a little story with you. So a woman actually came to one of my concerts um, with my band Stone Poets. She'd been in a major car accident and was in about a year of recovery. And after the show, she came up to me and said that during the concert that she did not feel any pain. Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah. I know. It's like music totally. is medicine. It's absolutely medicine. It's totally medicine. It's it's a, it can divert your attention. I mean, it's not going to fix you. It's not going to um, necessarily have, you know, long lasting, it's different for everyone, long lasting uh, of ability to change, you know, if you are suffering from something, it's not necessarily going to be a fix for that, but it's definitely going to alleviate and, and distract you from those things and that's part of the, part of the healing process is really is being able to to change the channel and not to be preoccupied with pain or yeah. with suffering or whatever that is that's um you know affecting your life yeah exactly do you actually have your book in front of you i don't have it right in front of me but i i know it pretty well but i could i could summon one electronically on my okay computer. that's great i i would i would want you to actually read an excerpt uh from the book something that kind of is close to your heart Oh sure, I can find That'd something. Be fantastic, Let me see here. thank you. I don't want to. I don't want to be too downer, but Eric Windler's story is just so powerful. Okay. Um, I haven't read that one yet. Oh, it's the first line. I don't even know if I can get through it, so maybe I won't read it. Oh but, God, um, you'll make me cry. <laughs> yeah. So the very first line is: One Saturday morning in March 2010, I received a call from a police officer. He rushed to our house and had the unbelievable task of telling us that we had lost our firstborn son Jack to suicide. Jack was just 18 years old and in his first year at Queen's University. The death of our child, a parent's worst nightmare, came as a complete shock. We'd always thought we had three happy, healthy kids. We had no idea Jack was struggling. And he goes on to talk about, you know, what they did in response to this is they created the Jack Project, he and his wife, Sandra. And the Jack Project has become, you know, the biggest teen suicide prevention advocacy charity in the world where they basically train youth to help each other uh it's nothing like it's kind really i guess but it's it's all over the world now it's a hugely successful impactful charity that he created now obviously that's not ever going to to change their their loss but it's i think in some ways it's given them some sort of fulfillment Mm -hmm. and his story um is all about the song Let It Be, um, which was, you know, obviously the Beatles song. Um, it's it's a, it's kind of, I mean, it's a very powerful story, um, <laughs> the way he uses that Let It Be, how it's a mantra for that you can, you can use that as to apply to so many things to try to give you some kind of, you know, solace or just some kind of reassurance, I guess. Um, but it, it was uh, performed at his funeral, so it's quite you know oh, heart wrenching wow. to read these stories. There are a lot of stories in the book. This is, comes from the second chapter, which is about loss. Mm-hmm. So, and it's ironically it's right next door to the Fred Penner story, which is also about loss. But there's always a bit, of, there's always a thread, I think, of hope in some of these, in most of the stories. And indeed, the whole um, reason why we share these stories is because it talks about the the transformative nature of music and how powerful it is. And so. Mm-hmm. Even though the story itself is quite sad, I think it's through the music that you gain a glimmer of hope. Wow, that's beautiful. 
beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. So I want you to give a shout out to some of the people that were involved in putting this wonderful project together. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I've already mentioned Terry Stewart, yes. as you know, the co-founder of the Awesome Music Project. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned Page Two. So um, Jesse Finkelstein is the co-founder of Page Two, and she has been instrumental in just sort of championing this project from the beginning, helping us collect the stories, steering us through the whole idea of, of building a book, which is something we've never done before. Mm-hmm. And they've done dozens and dozens of award-winning books over at Page Two, and so they were fantastic. Then um, I, I really have to give a big shout-out to Peter Cocking, who is the designer of the book, because mm-hmm. because of the nature of, of the subject matter, we can't go off and get the rights to you know album covers and artwork from the original songs. So very early on, we recognized this, but we also knew that, you know, this book could be something more than just a bunch of words. And Peter brilliantly came up with this idea of creating a record cover, an original album artwork, if you will, for mm-hmm. every single story. And I think he didn't realize, when, <laughs> I can't imagine he really put the math together because he's like, here's a couple of stories, <laughs> here's a couple of pieces of artwork. And then we're like, okay, now we have 111 of them, Peter. And so he had to go off literally... Yep. design album jackets wow it's for beautiful 111. and but and but all in a very specific like they all kind of have this blue note nostalgic quality which sort of speaks to the power of like story and nostalgia to mm-hmm. me are powerful words and you know he, he was in keeping with that aesthetic and uh it's it was no small task so peter cocking uh, and Jesse Finkelstein, I mentioned, and Scott Steedman, I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. who was the editor and really was the, the the one responsible for like channeling these stories and um, getting them to paper and editing them and putting them, getting them through and making them making them make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then there's a whole army of other people that are, are con- you know continually helping us uh, on a day to day basis just with our our team. We have a big team. Well, I shouldn't say big. We have a um, mighty team <laughs> of volunteers and helpers uh, who are part of the vision of what we're trying to do through the Awesome Music Project, which is more than just a book. It's really about sharing stories and, um, you, you know, trying to raise money. Oh, absolutely. It's just, it's so beautiful and uh, really, really appreciate uh, having a copy and being able to go through it and to talk to you today. So how can people purchase the book? You can go to any any major bookstore, any store bookstore actually will order it if they don't have it. And you can go to Indigo, Chapters, Kohl's, Costco, um, Book City, uh, all the different sort of book retailers will carry it. I said Costco, which is not a book retailer, but they have it too. Mm-hmm. Or you can go on, online and use you know the, the traditional online channels like Amazon or Indigo.ca, or you can just go to our website. Uh, theawesomemusicproject.com and order directly from us. And so you're on Twitter, Facebook, all those kind of social media, Instagram, I, uh, people can find you. Yep, we're on, uh, you just have to go, the easiest way to find us on social media is to go to theawesomemusicproject.com, our webpage, and then all the links are there, or just you can Google um, The Awesome Music Project, and we're on, Instagram is at The Awesome Music Project. Thank you so much, Rob, for being on the show today. Everybody get out there to theawesomemusicproject.com and uh, find the book, order it. And it's kind of good timing for Christmas. Makes a really good Christmas gift. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Okay, Okay, bye. And that's tonight's show. Thank you, Rob, for being on Magazine Canada. And if you have time, you still do before Christmas, buy it for a Christmas gift or buy it for yourself. You will be moved by the stories in this book 
of how music changes everything. Leave the station on 24-7. It's music online all the time. You can find your favorite programs at PacificNorthwestRadio.com. And if you miss a show, go to our website and click On Demand or find us on Spotify, iTunes, plus a whole array of sites. It's all there waiting for you. Big shout out to my Make a Scene Canada sponsor, Sheldon Zaharko from Zed Productions. All you rock stars ready to record your new album or single, check out Zed Productions at SheldonZaharko.com. The music that you're listening to right now is from my band Head, recorded with Sheldon, and you can hear more Head at headmusic.ca and check out my other band Stone Poets that Sheldon also produces at stonepoets.ca. Tune in every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to make a scene Canada here on Pacific Northwest Radio to discover your next favorite Canadian artist. I'm Sherelle Jardine, musician and music lover. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Get in touch because I really love hearing from you. Take a few minutes out of your day and share artists and make a scene Canada and Pacific Northwest Radio on social media. Now get out and enjoy live music. Bring your friends with you and share the experience together. You know, I don't have too many shows left to say this, but together, let's make a scene in 2019.